Good morning and Happy New Year. That was weak. <laughs> My gunnery sergeant in college when I was a midshipman would have just been real upset with that. Let's try that again. Good morning and Happy New Year. Good morning. Much better. Gunnery Sergeant Clark would be pleased. The first reading this morning, we continue our study from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 6 to 11, on page 672 of your pew Bibles. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing which I sent. And the second reading this morning is page, found on page 1074 of your pew Bibles. It's from the letter of Paul to the Colossians, the third chapter, the 12th through the 17th verse. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another and... If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish each other in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God and the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Let us now bow together in prayer. Gracious God, we have read and heard your word, your life-giving word. So may it dwell in our hearts and minds to renew life in us as we seek to walk in the way of Jesus, 
for it is in his name that we pray. Amen. It had been less than three weeks since I had pronounced them husband and wife, bid them farewell on their honeymoon trip, signed and put into the mail uh, their marriage license to get it back to the clerk of court. They were a really attractive couple. They had known each other since their first year in college, and their marriage had been talked about by friends and family for more than a year. They had worked through all of the premarital counseling that had been required of them. They had made uh, exhaustive plans for their wedding. Their families were happy and excited. Their friends showed their love for them by providing an endless round of parties and showers the marriage service itself was absolutely beautiful. There was an abundance of flowers. There was inspiring music. There were some pretty expensive dresses and tuxedos. And it was all followed by what seemed to me at least to be a bit of an extravagant reception and then the joyful send-off to the Bahamas. Today, however... The young husband sat in my study there at the church, still very much in love with his bride, but with tears in his eyes and a question on his lips. His question really was very simple, but it was incredibly complex also. For what he asked was this, now what? Now what? And with very little prompting, he poured out his heart. He said something like this. It hit me on our return from our honeymoon when I realized that our courtship and our fairy tale wedding were over now and the responsibilities of real life are staring us in the face. And he said, I thought that we spent so much time and money and energy just getting through the service and through all the celebrations and through the honeymoon. And in spite of all that you and our parents all tried to tell us, to be honest with you, we gave very little thought to what life was going to be like when we got back to the ordinary days. And frankly... All that responsibility terrifies me. Now what do we do? How can we find a way to live well as husband and wife so that this marriage will last? It occurs to me that you and I might well ask ourselves that same question today. Now what? Except that our question is asked not in the afterglow of a wedding celebration, but in our return to the ordinary days following our celebration of the birth of Christ. Now what? As I think back on the last several months, 
I recall how preparations for Christmas began very early for many of us. Almost before Labor Day was passed, some of the large shopping malls had begun to display holiday decorations. By mid-October, well before Halloween, the signs of the season, the lights, the tinsel, the preseason sales were well underway. And by the time we got to November, folks were already buying gifts and planning parties and cramming their calendars with social events and decorating their yards and their homes. I'm ashamed to admit that one of my sons-in-law put a blow-up of Santa Claus in a bathtub in his front yard. <laughs> but we were all gearing up for December when we would sing the beloved carols and read the familiar lessons and observe all the traditions, the decoration of the sanctuary, the, the, the children's retelling the birth of Jesus, the, the lighting of the Advent candles, the Christmas Eve communion services, all things that declare our faith and that fill this season with so much meaning and so much joy. We made a lot of preparations just to get to Christmas. We mailed countless expressions of love. We, we gave and received gifts as tokens of affection. We wished our family members and friends peace and goodwill. Now what? After all has been said and done, given and received, and after all these beautiful decorations have been taken down and packed away for another year, now what? Or to paraphrase the young man in my study that day, we have invested a lot of time and money and energy celebrating this season, rejoicing in the coming of Christ. But have we given much thought to what life should be like as we return to the ordinary days? How do we live well together in light of his coming? What, what real difference does Christ make in our lives in the way we treat each other, in the way we go about being church? Now that we have celebrated his birth, how do we live so that it will last? <clears throat> Writing to the Colossian Christians, Paul described his vision of a community in which Christ is the rule of life. Now, admittedly, his perspective was through the lens of the crucifixion and resurrection rather than through the lens of the birth of Jesus. But his emphasis on the transforming power of the new life that begins in Christ applies to us as we return to our ordinary days after celebrating the birth. And Paul gives us this answer to the question, now what? Even as you and I have celebrated the first coming of Christ, we remember that we're waiting for his coming again. We live in these in-between times that really should be anything but ordinary for us. 
because the new way of life in Christ is already here. It is already His gift to us. And it is a gift that can transform us so that what was once true of human life is not true anymore. The characteristics that distinguish the life of Jesus are now to be the characteristics of our life together as the church and of our lives individually as members of that church. So in the passages immediately preceding our morning lesson, Paul writes these words. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Put to death what is earthly in you. In these things you once walked when you lived in them, but now put them all away. And then he makes a list of the qualities of the old life that should be laid aside, put away forever. He includes such things as immorality, impurity, evil desires, covetousness, all forms of idolatry, anything that stands between us and God. He warns against anger and slander, foul talk, lying to one another. He counsels the church against litigation because he says that belies the harmony in which Christ calls us to live and it destroys the peace of the church. Because Christ has come to us, we have a new identity from him, perhaps the best Christmas gift of all. He gives us power to live in the world as we have seen him live. And in our morning lesson, Paul identifies us in a very special way. Did you catch what he called us? He said that we are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who we are in Christ. That is the new reality about you and me that is Christ's gift to us. And that's why the way we live corporately and individually is to be marked by the Christ-like qualities that Paul has listed. Compassion, kindness, humility, patience with each other, and a willingness to forgive each other as we have been forgiven. Self-forgetting love that unites us the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts and fidelity to the word of God. These are to be the pillars of life for the Christian community, for you and for me. Our book of order, I don't know how many of you read the book of order just for your leisure reading. Um, I have a kind of fascination with it. But it's interesting to me that our book of order says that we as the church are to represent the will of God for all people. It calls us a provisional demonstration of what God intends for all humanity. That's pretty remarkable. 
For it says that we are called to a life of unity, harmony, kindness, forgiveness, and love. Now I know that's idealistic. And sometimes the life of the church, sometimes our own lives fall short of our calling in Christ. To our shame, we allow barriers to arise between us. We allow conflicts to divide us so that our fellowship is broken and our witness becomes ineffective. And because we do sometimes miss the mark of that new life that Christ calls us to live, it's not surprising at all that the world often looks at us and asks, are you really the church? Is this really how Christians are to live? If so, we don't want any part of you. But my friends, the good news is this. Despite our imperfections and shortcomings, God has chosen us. And God continues to work in us to shape our lives according to his purposes. However imperfect and unfinished we may be as a community of faith, as individual members of the community, the church is still the place where new life is being created every day. This sometimes frail and all too human body is still the vehicle that God is using to create a new reality in this world. So whatever we may look like to the world or even to ourselves if we're honest, we are the body of Christ. And this identity of ours is conferred upon us not by our choice and not for our exclusive possession. And it cannot be discarded as we may choose. This is who we are, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved in Christ. So, We did make a lot of preparations leading up to this season. Preparations that changed the appearance of our community, our homes, and certainly of the church. Preparations that in some sense, I think, expressed our longing for a more enduring change within our own hearts. We celebrated the gift of Jesus Christ and we gave to each other gifts that expressed our love, our hopes for peace and goodwill to exist among us. Perhaps also they spoke of our yearning for a manner of life that is better than the way we sometimes live. And so my question to you this morning is simply this. Now what? Moving beyond the celebration, how will we choose to live? My prayer is that our celebration of the holy birth in Bethlehem's manger will prove to have been a prelude to another birth taking place in our own hearts, a birth of compassion and kindness and humility, patience, and a greater capacity to forgive as we have been forgiven. My hope is that the dawning of the new year will also mark the dawning of a transformation in our lives 
that will lead us at least a little closer to being everything God intends us to be so that everything we do in word or in deed may truly be done in the name of the Lord Jesus with thanksgiving to God the Father through him. If that be so, then I can promise you that the days ahead will be anything but ordinary. And we truly will live well together so that it will last. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.